Welcome to another episode of Product Thinking. I am Kyle Evans, and this week we're talking about user empathy and outcomes, understanding the why and getting past our own perspective. So this past weekend was Father's Day here in the U.S. Uh, Happy belated Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, Hope it was a good one. I am very fortunate to be a father, so Uh, That was great and very fortunate to have a great father as well. So happy Father's Day to you, Dad, uh, if you're you're listening. But anyway, wanted to share a story. So a friend shared a parenting story over the weekend in light of Father's Day. Uh, He was getting his son ready for bed, and his son wanted to send a race car down the track one last time before getting his pajamas on. But the car didn't go down the track right. So the kid went to do it again. Uh, My friend told him no, that it was time to get ready for bed and that he could only do it one time and he already did it. This led inevitably to a fit and some fighting. Uh, Many tears shed before his son went ahead and sent the car down the track again anyway. Something many of us probably know all too well as parents, especially at bedtime. So my friend told his son that because he didn't obey, he was going to take away the racetrack for a day so he couldn't use it. That actions have consequences and uh, parenting lessons, etc., etc., Uh, That was the moral of the story, I think. But I have to side with the kid on this one. Of course, I didn't say that, but in my head, I'm thinking it, that I'm siding with the kid on this one. Aside from the unclear consequences, I can definitely empathize with being a parent at bedtime. The struggle is very, very real. Kids don't want to go to bed ever. And that's all that we want as parents sometimes. But I am still with the kid. Maybe it comes from having kids who think the same. Maybe it's from being a product manager for so long. Unarticulated, but assumed by kids, is that they are getting an outcome, not an output. It's not about sending a race car down the track one more time, it's about the red car beating the blue car because the red car is the favorite one or it's about the marbles going down the favorite path of the marble maze or it's about the Rube Goldberg machine falling in the right way they don't care at least in our house they don't care about the just one more time they care about one more good outcome at least most of the time Sometimes, granted, it's about just delaying bedtime a little bit more. But almost all the time, they don't care about the just one more time. It's about the one more good outcome. It's a hard thing to learn and to understand. But once you do, it's a game changer. As as product people, this may be easier for us to get at times, but we can lose sight of it too. Our users don't care about the outputs 
of our products. They care about the outcomes they get from using them. One product that I managed, it output a lot of data. It showed users all sorts of information about device statuses, past and current health checks, location information, names, etc. But the information wasn't very usable. As much as it output, it didn't help users with any meaningful outcome. It didn't easily answer questions like, what should I pay attention to right now? And what has changed meaningfully over time? For that reason, despite having lots and lots of outputs, it didn't really help with the outcomes. And for that reason, it wasn't really used frequently and didn't drive the kinds of outcomes that we would have hoped for either within the product. Similarly, when I go into an app or get a product, I usually have something I want to accomplish. It doesn't matter if the product can do a thousand things. If it can't accomplish the job I need it to, I'll probably be upset, like a kid with a racetrack. Finally, we often sell products based largely on features rather than outcomes, and this is a mistake. We try and force the conversation more to going down the track rather than the red car winning. Part of that is because we're drawn to features, just as people in general, as companies, as organizations, as teams, as people. We like, we like features. Uh, you know, look at all the different tracks that we have. It's a very easy thing. It's easy to sell features. It's easy to list features. And you can have a whole bunch of different racetracks or marble tracks or whatever it is, all these different paths and tracks, all these different features. But ultimately, for us and for our users, the outcome will be far more important. All the tracks won't matter if they can't go down the one that makes the most sense. And it will lead to everyone being unhappy. So that is the most important thing, it, to focus on the outcomes instead of the outputs. Take away the idea that it is about one more time down the track and really focus on the idea that it is about one more good run down the racetrack. It's about the red car winning or about the marble going down the right track. And that way we will all end up being far more happy. So changing our perspective, focusing on the outcomes, getting past the idea that we necessarily know best always both as parents or as the creators of the products and getting into the minds of our kids or our users. That is the thoughts and the article for this week. A couple more articles to check out. Uh, Sherlock Holmes Revisited Six Lessons for Product People. Uh, this is an article on Medium uh, that you should definitely check out. Uh, quote from it, somewhere between ineffable twaddle and necromancer lies the timeless character of Sherlock Holmes. 
who continues to occupy our imaginations and our screens in various incarnations. But inside the deeply deductive and yet often erratic behavior, what can we normal people learn from the storied sleuth? That is what I wanted to know as I read and reread Conan Doyle's works, and I came away with many lessons that we as product people can apply. So check that out. Uh, lessons from Sherlock Holmes for product people. It's got some good ones. Uh, another interesting article you may have seen, but the Supreme Court, a Supreme Court win for college athletes in the compensation case. The system we have in the U.S. still seems bizarre to me. Viewed through the lens of tradition, it may seem normal. But if you step back for a moment, we have young athletes competing at the highest levels without getting paid. It seems absurd. In other sports in other countries, these athletes could already be signing multi-million dollar deals. But here, we force them to continue to risk their health and well-being for a shot at a big payday that most of them will never get. Uh, so it's a step in the right direction, but it doesn't go nearly far enough. Uh, and this, for me, is a consistent theme of just rethinking the way that we have done things for a long time. Collegiate athletics is something that we have set up and has been in place for a long, long time, which is why I think so many people just don't even question it or look at it and think that, uh, you know, college athletes are getting a college degree. You know, that is the way that they're being paid. Uh, but the amount of money that, that college athletics is bringing in to colleges and just the sheer amount of money in play is absolutely obscene and that college athletes aren't in some way being able to take more advantage of that and that we don't treat uh, these leagues as more a minor league to our professional leagues is something to really think about. So uh, I think it's worth injecting some chaos into this and I, I, I'm excited for that to happen. So that is, it is in the works. I know that there's a lot of opinions on both sides and I really don't have significantly strong ones other than I just want to see it rethought. Two other articles about the labor shortages happening right now. This is probably something that you've seen. It's been something that we've been debating quite a bit and discussing the reasons for it, you know, what is happening. Uh, so first article, it's not a labor shortage. Uh, you know, we've been having this debate a whole bunch. What has caused the labor shortage in you know, retail, in the food industry? It feels like a shift in the market, driven partly by unemployment benefits, by the opportunity to shift away from temporary jobs, by the pandemic. Uh, it will be interesting how this plays out long-term. If it's a long-term thing, if it is a temporary shift, as many employees have realigned uh, for you know for a certain amount of time. Uh, so that is the first article, and a second article going along with it: retail workers are quitting at record rates for higher-paying work, 
My life isn't worth a dead-end job. Uh, quoting from this, retail workers drained from the pandemic and empowered by a strengthening job market are leaving jobs like never before. So that comes from the April job numbers, I believe. And then again, interesting to see what will happen as the both the job market rebounds, as employees shift, as employers are forced to shift, and how this all plays out. So some interesting articles. Again, you can check out all of this newsletter, these articles at productthinking.cc. You can sign up for the free weekly newsletter there uh, as well. Um, you can subscribe to the paid if you want to do that as well. Uh, as always, you can leave a tip, link in the show notes, and you can follow this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on the social medias at Kyle Larry Evans. And I look forward to seeing you next time. 